As always, thank you, choir. Amen. 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 The famous 11th century nun. You didn't expect it to start off like that, did you? St. Hildegard of Bingen once said, Humanity, take a good look at yourself. Inside you've got heaven and earth and all of creation. You're a world. Everything is hidden in you. St. Hildegard was passionate about the importance of living an embodied faith. But her words here also invite us to consider not only the holiness of God that lives within us, but also all the things outside of ourselves that distract us from a relationship with our Creator. I've titled this sermon, A Life of Meaning. Please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a son and a brother and an uncle and a cousin and a friend and an American citizen. I am educated, I am creative and talented and passionate. I am hardworking and hashtag blessed. I am impulsive and maybe a little careless at times, but I am also a game maker, a runner, a writer, and I am a pastor. I'm sure that you also have a list of I am statements like these. Statements about who you are and what you stand for and what you've accomplished and where you've come from. We work hard to develop these long lists of descriptors. And while there's nothing wrong with being confident and aware of who you are and what you do, we need to acknowledge that Jesus tells us clearly that life isn't about titles or accomplishments. Turn with me, if you would, to our gospel reading for this morning. It's John chapter 12, page 93 in the New Testament, if you're using the Pew Bibles. And we're going to look to verse 24. It's not exactly where it started, but this is where it gets really good. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, and anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus says very clearly right there that we must lose our life. All these I am statements that I was making, all these accomplishments, Jesus says that they cannot be our focus or purpose in this world. If we want to find eternal life, if we want to follow Jesus, then we must let go of all those I am statements. The truth is that as much as we might love to post about all our accomplishments on social media, and as much as we might like to go to the family reunion and tell everyone about our latest promotion or our newest purchase, the truth is 
that focusing our life on possessions and accomplishments does not lead to eternal life. Obtaining wealth or titles will not fill that need that's in your soul. They say that all of us have a God-shaped hole within us. And as much as we might try to fill that vacuum with something else, it is a God-shaped hole, and so only God can fill the void. To quote St. Augustine, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. And you don't need to look any further than the current state of our society to know that this is true. For the last 60 years, our country has been leaning further and further into the narrative of capitalism. And capitalism, it's a great idea. It's this idea that the free market can and will answer all of our desires and questions. And obviously, a lot of good has come because of our commitment to capitalism. Because we're so committed to earning money and making money, we have seen incredible advances in technology. And even more incredible advances in science and medicine. Vaccines have been created. Treatments have been developed because we have allowed the free market to do what it does. But capitalism also causes all sorts of greed to just be seen as commonplace. It's something that can be easily justified and defended in a capitalist society. And capitalism has also created this subtle and slow decay in our psyche. We have slowly begun to believe that life is defined by what you have. We've been told that everything has a price, and so we've concluded that happiness can be purchased. Over the last 60 years... People have been owning more and more stuff. Houses are bigger than ever before. There's a multi-million dollar ministry, or multi, <laughs> not a ministry, <laughs> industry of storage units. Because your house isn't big enough to store all that stuff that you have. So you need to have somewhere else to put it. Over the last 60 years, the gap between the richest Americans and the poorest Americans has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And over the last 60 years, depression and suicide rates have exploded. Over the last 60 years, church attendance and involvement has plummeted. There is a God-shaped hole in every human being, and we've been trying to fill it with stuff for the last 60 years and beyond. There's no need for the Almighty God when, everything, when everyone else is saying that fulfillment is a product that can be bought. We have an entire generation of people who've been taught that they can possess whatever their heart desires. And so they come to believe that by buying and owning and succeeding and advancing, that they will somehow obtain their very soul. But over the years, they've come to realize that all this buying and getting and achieving only leaves you feeling empty. They can't fill the God-shaped vacuum in their soul with a bunch of titles or a bunch of stuff. When we only focus on our accomplishments and possessions, it will always leave us feeling empty. 
There's a modern day parable that I heard a little while back that illustrates this idea beautifully. It's about a man named John. Let's call him John. And you see, John wanted to be a businessman and he wanted to make lots of money. And so he could, you know, buy all the stuff that he didn't have as a kid, all the gadgets, all the cars, all the vacations that his family never took. And so John went off to graduate school. And before he left home to pursue his MBA, his father took him aside and gave him a key. And he said, here, son, I hope you can use this key someday because I never was able to. And so John went off to grad school and he had this old key from his father in hand and he had dreams of being filthy rich. And so John worked hard. He studied and he stayed after class and he went to all the extra sessions that the professor had. And John got a good internship and then he graduated top of his class. And right after graduation, he was hired. It was an entry-level position, but it was at a Fortune 500 company. And so John continued to work hard and to continue to show people that he had worth and value. And he climbed the corporate ladder. And sure, there were some times where he had to kind of throw his coworkers under the bus. There were some times where he had to sort of pass the blame off on someone else. But it all resulted in him moving steadily higher up that organization. Until after 32 years, and John was finally named the CEO of this Fortune 500 company. He had made it. And so on his first day as a CEO, he walked into his new corner office on the top floor, and he took a deep, satisfying breath. Everything was perfect. The office was large, the desk was grand and made of rich mahogany wood, and the windows offered a nice bright morning glow for the whole scene. And that's when John noticed a box on his desk. It was this beautiful hand-carved box that, that had a really large lock on the front. And so John thought for a second and then pulled the key from his pocket that his father had given him so long ago. The key that his father had said he never was able to use. And so John thought for a moment and put the key in the lock and turned it and heard a satisfying click. And John excitedly opened the box and inside it was empty. Completely empty. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loses their life, who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Friends, Jesus came to teach us how to live. I know that it might seem like life is all about keeping up with the Joneses, I know that, it might, that you might think that your life will finally be complete once you get that promotion or once you get that raise or that corner office or once you buy that car or earn that degree. But Jesus tells us that if we think like this, we'll lose everything. We'll be left empty inside. If all we ever say is, I am or I have, then we'll never understand that God has already given us all that we will ever need. It's important to remember that it was a group of Greeks who asked to see Jesus that day. 
In that reading from John, it tells us in the very beginning, and you might have missed it, a group of Greeks had come to Jerusalem, and they asked to see Jesus. You see, they had traveled a long way to Jerusalem, and they wanted to meet this rabbi who they were hearing so much about. Jesus was becoming a celebrity. I am the famous Jesus of Nazareth. I am walker of waves. I am feeder of thousands. I am the healer of ills. That's what Jesus could have said when the Greeks asked to see him. But instead, Jesus chose the path of humility. You're looking for the celebrity preacher? That's nice. I'm going to die, Jesus says. And unless you lose your life, you'll never truly live either. How many good people, and and good pastors for that matter, have lost their way because they've cared more about being famous than actually being a faithful leader? How many good people have lost their soul because they cared more about making money than nurturing their spirit? How many well-meaning individuals have lost their faith because they thought their career was more important than taking time to be with God? Hear me clearly, church. There is nothing more important than your relationship with Jesus. Nothing else matters and nothing else will truly give you fulfillment We need to remember that when we walk around shouting, I am this and I am that and I am great and I am accomplished, that while all of these I am statements might be true, we are also at that very same moment speaking the name of the great I am. It's God's way of reminding us that all of our accomplishments come from the Lord. All of life's blessings come from the God whose name is I am. And so it would do us some good to focus less time on ourselves and more time on our God. Stop looking for purpose and fulfillment in titles and things. Instead, put your trust in the humble Savior from Nazareth who chose the cross over status and fame. Don't make your life's work an endless pursuit of promotions. Relax a bit and share your life with the Lord. You do not need to live each day trying to become more worthy. No, you were created for a closer walk with thee. Friends, God is the only one who gives life. And so we know that God is also the only one who gives life meaning. So let's follow Jesus. Let's choose humility and simplicity and a relationship with our God. And let's lose all the rest. Amen.